This episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast is brought to you by Alpha Box. Men's underwear featuring amazing comfort, stylish design, and of course, the mysterious and amazingly effective 3D pocket. To get your pair, go to alphabox.com and use the promo code TAOIST, T-A-O-I-S-T, to check out a pair of your own. That was good. Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, Danielle and Rich tumble into fall with another eclectic conversation, including a diary entry from a 10th degree black belt in manufacturing conflict. Treat me for who I am, not from where I'm from. Hardcore history gains a new fan. Tribes indentured servants, and a reminder that a flag is a symbol and it can mean many different things to many different people. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 120. And believe it or not, it's the beginning of year six. Yes, indeed. Quite exciting. We have been at it for a while. And <laughs> I we think we would <laughs> come to our senses. <laughs> Across from me is Mr. Daniele Bellelli, just like almost all the other times. Indeed. That is mostly the case. We're back to make sure that the kind folks know about underwear. Yes. Let's start with a big thank you to our sponsor for this episode, alphabox.com. They sell underwear. Everybody needs underwear. So since eventually you're going to be buying underwear, check out people who sponsor our show first. And they give you a promo code TAOIST with a T for a discount. So check them out at alphabox.com. Um, all the designs up there. What you don't get up there through the website is the text tactile joy of the extremely soft quality of the fabric. Yeah, as soon as they finish with smell o vision, they're gonna have to come up with touch o vision. Right. So you could sample for yourself because we should just touch these right now. Yeah. I've got my drawers on right now. You can come over and touch them. You'd be like, Ah, my Dan- eyes, my eyes. Easy. Rich pulled I down his a pants. Lot to see there. Yes. Isn't there? Uh, the softness is almost indescribable, but it's not just softness. It's softness combined with a gentle sort of clinginess isn't the word, but it kind of <laughs> like it gives you a squeeze and stays in place. So you don't have anything riding up in the middle of the day while you're uh, it's just an amazing piece of technology. Softness, firmness mixed together. And then there's the whole Alpha Box concept. And I'll let you check that out on the internet because a little bit dangerous to describe. Sounds pretty exciting, though. I like to call it mysterious. Yes. And uh, I'll put the link in the episode notes, as usual, with the promo code Taoist to get a discount. 
Of course, let's give also a thank you to our usual sponsors, Datsusara and Onnit. Um, I'm lately on a big uh, Onnit addiction. I think it's like the day they cut us off, the day that they stop, I'll be like in debt forever because now I'm really digging the new Alpha Brain, the powder one. I'm consuming it like an addict. So it's. Uh, <laughs> First I, one's always free. I, I know. I see it. Aubrey, please keep liking us, keep sending the goods because if you guys haven't tried it, just do yourself a favor, try it once. It's good. I really, really like it. It's my go to now. I find like if, when it's 1 17 in the morning and I got a few hours to go. It's good stuff. It does. And it's not, it's not like an edge, but there's definitely a bit of an alertness. Oh, man. It's, it's not like caffeine pills or something rickety like that. It really does just sort of help you keep going. You know, when Rogan was saying it for a long time, I was like, come on, really? And I tried some of the pills here. They weren't doing it for me. But ever since they developed the powder format, man, that thing works for me so well. It's downright freaky. Um Yes. So on that note, check out on it, whether Alpha Brain or many of their other goodies out there. Same story, go for Datsusara in terms of the quality of the product. Very no different stuff, but awesome bags. No argument. Greatest hemp gear on the planet. Rich is porting his backpack right now. I have my bags right there. We use them every single day. Yeah. Uh, we also want to give a few shout outs. One, if you find yourself in the needs of headphones, check out studiosweden.com and use the code TAOIST15 for a 15% discount. Again, that's studiosweden.com. Uh, I'll put the link in the episode notes with the code TAOIST15. If you, again, same story. If you need the he- new headphones, might as well get them from people who are nice to us, give us a freebie. Savannah is using it to edit History on Fire all the time. She tells me she's happy she has ears now. <laughs> Whereas before she was like, man, so they're okay. I have ears, but, way, yes. but if they just feel underused. Yes, that definitely make a difference. Uh, shout out for alphadynamicshealth.com with some cool Chinese medicinal mushrooms that will turn you into Lao Tzu after just one single dose. So check them out. Um, there were a couple more things. Oh, yeah. One thing is a friend of mine just opened an MMA gym out here in LA. Uh, it's called Fight Science. Is um, I'm going to put a link in the episode notes because I forget. Uh, Savannah is going to train there all the time. She's training with their pro team because they have regular classes for the civilians. And yeah. then they have the pro team of training in the morning. So she's going there. She's liking it a lot. I haven't gotten myself in yet, but um, from what I hear, it's awesome. What part of LA is it in? It's uh, kind of like, um, it's not exactly downtown, but close enough to downtown. Good old downtown. Yeah, let's call it downtown. Because honestly, I don't know what the name of the neighborhood is. It's somewhere not too far from downtown. I'll uh, I'll put uh, a link in the episode notes. Uh, My friend Leo also told me he's going to, yeah, they're going to give a discount basically for people who mention the Drunken Taoist when they go in. So it's going to be uh, even a pretty good one. It's like 10, 15%, something like that. And they waive the sign-up fee that they usually have for. So if you are a Drunken Taoist listener in LA, you want to check out MMA, uh, I'm sure they have jiu-jitsu and other things in there. Check them out. Uh, I'll put a link in the episode notes. Having said all this, let's just jump into our episode.
dream to be. And now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. I had a dream today. Yes, I did. A couple too. Let's jump into a couple of brief but bizarre dreams. It's weird that every time I go to Big Bear, probably it's the altitude, I don't know, or maybe it's the house, maybe it's Posse, I don't know, I whatever think it's it is. closer to Jesus. <laughs> That's what it is. I get way more vivid dreams than I get in LA. So one that was funny was um, it starts out... It starts out with just random images. I remember just walking around and seeing like a bunch of snakes moving around in the mud. And so that was, but then that kind of quickly morphed into something else. And I remember this is where it gets funny. I grab somebody's purse. It's left there on a table. I grab the purse and pee inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as I do it. Tell me about your mother. The, myself in the dream goes like, why the fuck did I just pee in somebody's purse? The bathroom is right there. What the hell is wrong with me? This wasn't a live action pissing while you were doing it in your dream. Mom, no, was it wasn't. It? it was purely and completely in the dream zone. I would be concerned. Was, that's a that's a cry for help from yeah, inside your dream. That was, uh, but you know, it was funny. Speaking of a cry for help, <laughs> I had uh, an interesting discussion with. Uh, uh, I was curious. I met with uh, the therapist slash psychiatrist, and I wanted to pick his brain about something. So I was kind of like asking, "Hey, what's up?" You know, he was asking me about my dreams, and I said, "Do you have nightmares?" And I said, "No, I haven't had nightmares in forever." You know, is most of the time I just have these really bloody dreams where somebody's coming after me. It starts as a nightmare, but I unleash rightful vengeance. And and the guy was like, "Oh, but that's great." I'm like. Nothing worrisome about the fact that about him once a month I dream of just not in this society. Good unleashing luck, friend. bloodshed left and right. And it's like no sign of great mental health. Uh, you know that you are able to turn that around. I was like, here, stand your ground, guy. Good oh, job. Okay, Shoot. on that note. Wow. But I'll tell you a different one. Oh, this was very quick, but I woke up thinking again. What the hell was that about? Uh, my man's dog was chasing some coyotes, and that's not much of a dream because there are a ton of coyotes around here, and he's busy waging a war against the coyotes all day <laughs> long. But in this occasion, this coyote, big adult coyote, not a little thing, just running away from my man's dog, just jumped straight into my arms Whoops. and wanted to be protected. So I would carry this coyote like a baby, like... Uh, yelling at my man's dog, like, leave my coyote alone, poor coyote, don't bother me. And uh, so that was bizarre in itself. If you end up with a dog in the next few weeks, we'll all know what that was about. Yeah, that's what's happening. Uh, today, man, today at Isabella School, walking out of it, I saw this five-month-old golden retriever. God damn, those things are so beautiful. They are just so insanely cuddly and beautiful and f happy and just, ah, coolest thing on earth, absolutely. So... Yes, on that note, I'll try. Maybe I think you got puppy issues, obviously, because they are cute. They are ridiculously cute. Well, for what sure. kind of golden retriever are you gonna get? A golden one, I guess. <laughs> I think that's uh, usually there's one kind. Yes, but in any case, so those are my funky dreams for the month. Funky.
It's ranting time. It's ranting time. I have two. First one is not really a rant. The second is somewhat of a rant. Rant esque. Yes. So first one is um, so for the last month or so, the good old sweet Savannah started watching Lost. If you guys have never watched Lost, it's a trip. You know, Savannah got addicted real quick. She watched like three seasons in less than a month. She's watching, and each season, these things are long. They are like 24 episodes, 20 episodes each, stuff that... Wow, like so, from the olden days. Yeah, she's cranking down Lost like there's no tomorrow, right? And I, I'd watch all of Lost back when it came out, which was 2005, 6, 7, you know, kind of went down that list. The torturous old-fashioned way, where you had to wait a year. A whole year, yes. But... Uh, uh, well, Game of Thrones is going to do that. It's what, a year and a half between the, for the last season? Or even two years if they feel like it. It's like, Crazy. they're going to watch when we get here, so. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't watched it since then, right? And so I start watching again. Knowing everything now. Knowing everything. So there's none of the mystery that, you know, a lot of Lost was built on mystery. It was built on this show that you're like, where the hell is this going? They're in a pirate ship in a tree. Yeah. And the funny thing is that, Again, maybe smarter people understood what actually happens in Lost. I thought the plot was... I cannot think of too many examples of TV show that fail to deliver plot-wise as much as Lost did. Well, they in just the got sense a control, that, right? They got it all tangled up and there was really no way to get a good, clean answer. Yeah, it was a fucking mess, right? It's like what there's was this stuff... Monster? Like, I, again, I don't remember jack shit about it right and and i don't and that's the funny thing is many people started lost they loved it and then they started realizing that the plot wasn't really coming through but it's kind they of evangeline lily and that seems to be good enough for most folks but you know not all there's that but there's <laughs> one thing that i loved so much was the fact that while plot wise lost sucks yeah when it comes to character development to me there is nothing that even compares to a lost character development-wise. And I don't mean just in TV or movies or literature or anything. It's like it was one of the first shows where they gave it a lot of time to really work on their characters, where they are not following this story that's moving super quick. And it's so each character, they give you a backstory. They give you, they that's show what them made it easy. one life. Everybody had their, what they were doing before they got on the plane. And that yeah. fleshed it out in a way, or made it more mysterious in a way. And yeah. And each character emerges in this super three-dimensional way, where it's just, they are ridiculous. They are archetypes. They are super fascinating. They are... Like, I could literally watch Lost characters do dishes for 24 episodes and I would not care because there's so much to their stories. There's so much to who they are. Today's episode, Sawyer runs low on dish liquid. Basically, right? What's he going to do? And and the thing is, mm. I just don't care. Even now where I know the story already, so there is the, the mystery element of the plot is long gone. I don't give a crap because the per the characters are just that good. It's like I want to find out, not even find out. I just want to see these people interact. I want to see them doing their thing. And and one thing that I dug a lot in Lost, which I think is um, is kind of interesting, because two of the biggest TV shows of the last decade plus are Lost and The Walking Dead. And both of them hammer on this tribal theme, on this group of survivors who find themselves in this... Banding together. Yeah. In spite of the times. 
And this tribal idea to me hits on like such a key thing of human nature that is at the core of who we are as human beings. And I think that's part of the fascination. I mean, Lost and the Walking Dead are obviously couldn't be more different. One is about a zombie apocalypse, one about these people crashing on an island of mystery and dealing with what happens there. But these dynamics of random group of people who find themselves having to band together, having to kind of live as a tribe with no state, no supermarket, no laws, no nothing. It's just human society is what they make of it. Super fascinating to me. Oh, from uh, what I'm hearing from my favorite new book, Tribe, it's ingrained into our DNA. And that's by... Sebastian Junger? Yes, that good. That good. I want to read it too. I want to read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's quick read too. It's thin, but it's straight and to the point. And it's these notions that, you know, we, we weren't raised this way. And no. for a million years, we shared, we took care of each other, and something's gone terribly wrong. Now, the thing about tribes too is that it's tricky because half of the, actually, most of the time in human history, tribes are awesome when it comes to if you're an insider oh yeah you get treated very well but don't come rolling in at night if you're an outsider not so much so there's clearly a dark side of the whole story but it's um, it seems like like a happiness and a contentment factor when you were just you know my job i weave the i weave the whatever the baskets or whatever well because it's not a job right you're there hanging out with your friends chatting while you're doing it yeah, so you're it's, doing uh, your part your little yeah. part to pitch in and make it all good for everybody yeah 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 it's uh at the same time yeah you'll bash the skull of the neighbors because they are from a different tribe so there's that as well but but that gets how the uh how they rank their men you know you gotta have a little war there or a little competition and don't be a coward. No, That's no, no. Frowned upon. It's yeah, tribes. It's our team. I mean, I've always been fascinated ever since I was a kid. I was fascinated with tribes. Even like the history that I'm into is mostly a tribal one. The um, everything. I've always been into this topic, but particularly lately, I'm uh, extra on a tribal kick. Well, you're gonna love the beginning be... of the book because it is, it is like fresh off early settlers in America. Perfect. In droves, would go native. Yep. They and definitely would. There were there were times when they would do um, treaties, and you have to return your white prisoners, uh-huh. and half of them wouldn't want to go. All of them wouldn't want to yep. go, but some they would have to tie and bound and drop them off back in the village because they did not want to go back. Not want to go back. There's um, there's a brilliant quote by Benjamin Franklin. I'm going by memory because I don't really have it yeah, in yeah. front of me right now, but it's something along the lines of. No European who has tasted savage life can has something ever. like can want to go back to our settlement, can right. want to come back to live with us again. That's awesome. But no. in the meantime, no one that's ever been taken native to European has ever yeah, wanted to stay. That's not a very popular choice. I mean, I'm sure once in a million years it happened, but on average, not common at all. Well, and that's say something this about... This wrote something from Thomas Paine, I read something from Thomas Paine that yeah. said, oh, it's obvious that we've got it wrong. Yep, yep, yep. Where there's something about the relative health of each society. And don't get me wrong, you know, there's a ton of great stuff that came from Western civilization. At the same time, in terms of purely appealing to human nature, tribal living is more the thing that we're wired for. Well, and, and it's way they 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 lasted that way for fifteen thousand years. Yep. You know they weren't looking for the next iPhone and craziness like that. And it just does seem like wow, the days would go by in a more relaxed way, and you knew you were taken care of because people did have your back. Loneliness didn't really exist. 
Yeah, no, that for sure. If anything, you're like, get the fuck away. I want to get away from some of these fuckers for a minute. Yeah, there's that. Oh, yeah, I found it. No European was tasted savage life can afterwards bear to live in our societies. Benjamin Franklin. That says a lot right Yeah, because they're right up next to that action, you know. That wasn't far from their house that it was going on at that moment. Oh, and the other nature was that um, even the woodsmen would, would, they'd be in buckskin almost immediately because it yep. was the most effective thing. Yep. And, well, hell, works for them for a reason. Most definitely. So, and... Rich Evers, buffalo hunter. <laughs> there's a... I think sneak preview of a future Drunken Taoist episode, assuming that my hard drive didn't kill it. I'm hoping it's still there. But I recorded an episode with good old drunk Duncan Trussell. And after he gets through some 20 minute rant about <sighs> flashlights and uh, some horror sex stories, oh. we switch to talking about tribes. And uh, Duncan gets into that as well. So that's. I'm going to uh, put the dirty parts behind a paywall. You want to hear it. <laughs> And save the rest of you from that. Yeah, we should give a warning to listeners because he goes deep there. But that guy is always so funny. <laughs> I'll close the last part of the rant with a quote because this was glorious. There's a glorious moment where one character addresses the other saying, Are you serious? And the other one reply, Baby, I'm tied to a tree in a jungle of mystery. And I just got tortured by a damn spinal surgeon and a genuine Iraqi. Of course I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you can write stuff like that, you definitely deserve to be watched. That's good stuff right there. All right. We bounce out of Lost Land to a more serious and angry rant. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll read something that I wrote the other day. I was uh, grocery shopping at Trader Joe. And That's a good I start. had um, spent too much time reading stuff on Facebook and uh, my mind was still running around some of these debates and ideas. So luckily I write really small. So I grabbed the back of a receipt and I didn't even buy that much groceries, but I managed to fit it all by writing tiny and doing this thing. I could be a spy, I swear. Yeah, because the enemy can't read that small writing. Nobody yeah. can read my handwriting anyway. I mean, I can. I think it's perfect. But again, I also think my accent is perfect. So... <laughs> There's that. But um, so I wrote this thing. I'll, I'll read that to you guys first, and then we jump into chatting about it. <laughs> it's entitled this. Diary of a Demon. It starts. Dear Diary, yet again, I did what I do best. I truly am a 10th degree black belt in manufacturing conflict. Anytime I want, I got all the silly monkeys to fight each other so they don't realize that I'm screwing over all of them. Transgender bathrooms, football boycotts, war on Christmas, different names for the same game. My sleight of hand never fails. Their eyes are on the theater act I put on, while cash keeps flowing into my pockets. I push the right buttons and voila! There they are again, arguing on whether it is better to be ruled by the puppet on the right or the puppet on the left which shade of evil goes best with their political decor. Never realizing that I pull all of their strings. Capitalist puppets or communist puppets, liberal puppets or conservative puppets, religious puppets or atheist puppets. They're all my puppets, and I play them all the same. Before you start thinking I'm such an evil genius, I'll let you in on a little secret. I am my own first victim. Truth is, I'm an addict. 
Seeing the numbers go up in my bank account is the only thing that makes me feel alive. I can't taste the expensive food I eat. I don't feel the touch of those I fuck. I don't see the beauty of the mansions I live in. Deep down, I don't really feel anything. Nothing at all. I crave these things, not because I derive any real joy from them, but because it's the only way I get a vague sense of power, of value, of life. I'm a vampire who sucks the life force from others without really being alive myself. I'm an undead. And I'll keep playing this game until I'll either consume the entire world or you'll shove a pointed stick in my heart. Dang. That's... You do write small. Yeah, I do write it. Well, I mean, some of it was written in uh, well, is it you note were in... format and I filled it in when I got home. Is it because you were in Trader Joe's? And well, Trader Joe's is kind of like a pleasant shopping experience at the same time. The whole sort of consumption, consumption, consumption. Nah, I could have been anywhere. the supermarket. I could have been anywhere. I think my mind was still stuck on some of these, uh, seeing a lot of really smart people. Hell, seeing myself just get bugged down in some... Uh, stupid discussion that ultimately are not really about anything substantial that really don't change anybody's life one way or another and seeing all the fights and the arguments and the bad vibes and all of that created by some of this stuff and i was listening uh what was i listening to there was uh, some music i was listening to that was kind of inspiring me in that direction and um oh i was listening remember that song by everlast what it's like and it kind of had this vibe that started getting me going oh, in a direction. And then you might know what it's like. Yeah, 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 exactly, right? Yes. So I started writing down this thing. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that is just how things are, you know? It's like, because the reality is that so much of the political theater that people get lost in and get fighting about, it's just a game design. And again, I don't know how much is designed by somebody pulling the strings or how much is just it happens and it happens to be convenient for but the reality is that there are a few issues some policies that are pushed forward so that some people will see the cash keep flowing in their bank accounts in a big way and all the other stuff doesn't fucking matter all the other stuff is just it's kind of like if i'm going to make sure that I get filthy rich while you get crap. I'm going to also want to make sure that you guys fight each other. Oh, so yeah. that you are That's too busy fighting one another to realize that I'm the one who's benefit from this whole arrangement. Well, they probably have algorithms that can pick what will make the people the most heated too. Yeah. It's, it's just going to get worse as they... I mean, think pick. about even more meaningful stuff, right? Not just the silly arguments, but think about like even issues like abortion, which is one of the most divisive one in American society. Even when Republicans are in power and they have the presidency, the House, the Senate, the Supreme Court, they still don't really change it. Which is kind of funny because what happens is that in some way shows you that some of these things are just things thrown out there just to get, get people, people riled, to up. Ar- yeah, riled up and to argue. Like, for example, I'll give you a historical variation on this theme involving racism. Um, back in the day, in the 1600s, some of the, I mean, there were really no super rich people coming to the U.S. Because if you are super, well, it wasn't U.S. yet, by the way, but in the what became the British colonies. Because if you are super rich, you stay in England and enjoy England. Why the hell are you moving? Got to servants, a, man. You know, what else you need? 
But there were people who were definitely more well-to-do than others. And there were a bunch of people that came as indentured servants, clearly not very well-to-do. Yeah. Indentured servants had a really short life expectancy. You know, it's said that usually in terms of contracts, by at most seven years, then you would be free, you would no longer be a servant. Seven. Didn't really matter because the seven years, usually you died long before your time was up because you were getting overworked to death. So clearly, if I have a bunch of indentured servants who are looking at high odds of uh, dying while working for me, <laughs> and I have a bunch of enslaved African-Americans, these two groups share the same quarters, do the same jobs, um, hate they, the master the same totally so they started uh, having relationships with one another they would have kids with one another they were with one, like in every which way they were kind of joined at the hip so that's a problem because now you have a lot of people who hate your guts and so if you want to keep ruling over them we need to do something hey how about we figure out for a, uh, a way for these guys to fight each other instead so that they are oh, so busy killing so it's more good old subdivide and conquer oh yes and how can we do that oh here is what we're gonna do we're gonna start treating the indentured servants just a little better we'll go throw them a bone to create jealousy between the two we'll separate the two physically We'll start treating one better than the other. So then the reaction is like, hey, now you are too good for me. Now that. Wow. And I throw in a, a good dose of talking shit about the other in front of, of the other. Of course. To get them riled over something that didn't even happen. You start explicitly teaching racism as a tool to separate the two groups, kind of saying, yeah, you guys are indentured servants, but look, I will treat you better because you are white, you are wow. superior to those animals out there, blah, blah, blah. And you start teaching. And it's not even because maybe you believe this stuff, maybe you don't. It's completely irrelevant. It's not really about racism for racism's sake. It's racism to make sure to keep you guys distracted over something that blinds you to the fact that I'm exploiting the hell out of both of you. But this way, rather than having to deal with two groups united against me because I'm exploiting you, now you are busy yelling at each other over race. And I get to keep the cash flowing in while you guys are yelling. Life is good. That's how divide and conquer works, right? Find some issue, whether a complete bullshit issue or a semi-legit issue that really distracts from the fact that the fact that they really interest you, which is how can I keep my profits keep coming in? I mean, it's like, think about even stuff like the war in Iraq. Does anybody really, I mean, because we know by now, and actually we knew fairly quickly, that the official reasons weren't it. You know, no weapons of mass destruction, no alliance with Al-Qaeda, none of that stuff. I would have buried my own bomb and found it so, before I'd have been I know, seriously. No hey, look what we found! I know, you figure you could have at least faked it a that little better. That USA on the side of it. No, it was in the sand! Yeah, figure you could have faked it a little better, right? Not even, Not even bother, because what are you going to do about we it? We already took the money. And the thing is, so it's obvious that the reasons for the war were something that was never publicly discussed in mm. any way. And so again, it's like all that hoopla, all that theater was really about something else that the overwhelming majority of people in the US have no idea what it, even maybe, forget what it was, but even as a theory. I feel that a ton of the political game is played along these lines. It's really just a smoke and mirrors game. It's a divide and conquer game. Let's them to fight each other over some irrelevant bullshit. 
That's where all the money moves. So Look that the money those defense contractors are taking in for whatever. And uh, we know you've been working on that for 15 years, but scrap it. Yep. So as long as we keep making the money, that's uh, all good. And I'd look under that shell first. Yeah, that's usually, again, it's an old uh, cliche, but partially because it's true, but the whole follow the money is usually an important one. Because don't get me wrong, there are people who are complete assholes over ideological reasons. There's people assholes at every level, from the, the woman who scams food stamps to steal from other people sure. in a tiny way. That's no, equally but- shitty. But that is about scale. money, right? Yes. So to me, it's like those are the two big ones. There are the ideological purists, the fundamentalists, the Al-Qaeda kind of stuff, the I'm just going to go blow myself up in the name of the ideology. And they are just as scary as the greedy bastard. But then yeah. the other one is the greedy bastard. This is about let's squeeze every last uh, tiny bit of wealth, which is kind of funny too, because there's a point where when you have millions, do you really need twice as many me it's like that's part of the How problem many yachts with, do you need i think that's one of the problems with wealth measured in numbers as opposed to wealth measuring what you can use because wealth measuring what you can use you know after you have a house okay you have two. Oh my god you have three you know you can go fancy really but there's only so much you can use in your lifetime well yeah. right yeah. and it's that in fact that things like that sit empty when people live in squalor yeah ex- but you know let's even go a little far yeah. right in super luxury it's still peanuts compared to what some people who then drive and this is the fun the part that interests me is that many of these people as fucked up and evil as they are they really are their own first victims because they are spend many of these people it's not that they are throwing their feet up and enjoying life with champagne They're and chasing caviar it as hard and, as they can all day every day they work like dogs in some misguided Protestant work ethic that work will give you meaning. And, you know, as long as I'm making money, not because I want to enjoy the money, I'm making money because it's it's what I'm supposed to do. I need to see those numbers go up. And, and even the expensive shit you get to use and try, it's not really because it makes you that happy. It's because it tells you, it gives you self-validation. It gives you a sense that you have done it, you have achieved it, you have accomplished the job. So you can have the $10,000 champagne as opposed to the $50 one, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, but what, is there any reward in that? I can't imagine Well, that I really, keeps you warm at night. No, but that's what I mean. Is like, to me, that is the undead. It's like yeah. you have no warmth and you have been sucked dry. So in that sense, there is an element. At the cost of anybody. Yeah. And as many if need be. Of course. You fuck over everybody else for something that doesn't bring you, doesn't clearly doesn't bring their happiness because you're squashing no. it, but obviously doesn't bring you e- the happiness either. It's more this addict compulsion that I need more, 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 more. Well, I just heard about a comparison of suicide rates. Like, I, I, I think it was Zaire. I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but at least I know a real African country to say instead of a fake <laughs> one. Um, and the U.S. and middle class men in the U.S. It's like forty times. Yeah, for, it's it's tricky because it's um, when you don't have much. Mm-hmm. I think there's not as far to fall sure. or not as much to disappoint. And it's easier, I guess, to just sort of accept where you are. Mm-hmm. But here it's like, what? You don't have one of those new BMWs yet? Yeah, there's that. And that's another form of distraction, right? The materialism is like keeping people... Consumption, uh, consumption, consumption. Yeah, so that's the thing. Is like in the name of uh, consumption, in the name of made-up political conflicts... People are so busy 
playing those games to ever stop questioning the stuff that makes society spin, that makes uh, uh, life workable or not, that makes all the things. And, and so it becomes this devious divide and conquer game that fucks it all up. And I'm always... Now, I say this, I see it. I'll be the first that, you know, later this afternoon, somebody's going to post something and I'll be like, how the fuck can you feel that? They're like, come on. And I'll get in lost in some stupid discussion that really has no bearing on anything other than create more bad vibes among people. So it's not that I'm saying it because I'm... But I create some of the best know. bad vibes because I have a very sharp tongue. So, yeah, so now, I win again. You know, it's it's one of the things is uh, just because you get it right some of the times doesn't mean you get it right all of the time. So, you know, somebody could easily then point to, hey, you're saying this, but there's a contradiction with what you've just done. You bet. Yes, I know. <laughs> I fuck up. <laughs> That's how it works. But, you uh, know, it's, it's, when you look at the earthquake in Mexico, mm -hmm. when you look at the insanity in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. we tend to rise up at the last moment. Sometimes. 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 Or at least it's it's not the guys flitting around in their corporate jets. Yeah. But the people who live in the neighborhoods, they're digging for people out of this rubble. They're, you know, I don't know. Puerto Rico could go Lords of the Flies in a second if yeah. they don't get any food there quickly. Yeah, that's bad. That's uh, And in fact, it's one of the things. Like, I don't have necessarily a negative view of human nature or a particularly positive. It's like... Humans are interesting. There's the capability in the human mind for l big extremes, extremes of amazing generosity, sweetness, and kindness, and some from flamethrowers to Miles Davis and everything in between. Yeah, and some serious dark shit, and uh, and that's one of the things that studying history show you, right? Is you see it all. Oh, yeah. The, Every time you think, well, that's probably the meanest thing. Oh, no, 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 no. No, there's wars. At the same time, there's also the cool stuff. And so it's, uh, I actually want to do an episode of History on Fire at some point. Um, I wanna, I, I'm figuring that the title will be something along the lines of like a small light in the darkness. And it's all about stories of people who have gone way out to help others in really horrendous historical circumstances. And there are a lot. So that could be actually an ongoing series. Every year or so, I can add a new episode to that because there are... Or get 10 or 12 stories gathered together from... Yep. Oh, there are so many. There are so many. So it's worth... Uh, that would be a fun one. And Do you have one in your head that you can think? That you're, I mean, I would, you know, like the Schindler story or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, there are those for sure. There's like... Uh, there's a crazy story about this guy who was an Nazi uh, in World War II. Well, right, well, technical, depending on when you consider World War II starting, but in China, when Japanese troops invade Nanking, and as a card-carrying member of the Nazi party, he clearly was at an alliance with the Japanese, so the Japanese were a little more willing to not shoot him in the head. Um, and so he used this influence to try to save a lot of Chinese civilians. Wow. And uh, so it's kind of a weird story. It's like here you have a Nazi, not exactly the guy that you picture as your hero, uh, saving a bunch of people. So talk about some strange, weird thing in there. Out of nowhere, did you happen to see the Hacksaw Ridge movie? Uh, no. It um, one dude saved 76 guys. I think it was Iwo Jima. Mm. And just refused to carry a gun into combat. But he would be a medic. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, and there are a lot of stories like that. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. So I think it would be fun to explore them. 
and uh, shine the spotlight on something where, you know, we always shine the spotlight on the darkness of the human mind. I think once in a while for balance sake and for inspiration sake, which is badly needed, we should also shine the spotlight on the inspiring, awesome acts that human beings are capable of. And now, Jesus and the loaves and fishes. <laughs> couple of cool Isabella moments. So one thing that was funny was for a really long time, Isabella is always really sweet to me. She's let me know she loves me. She lets me know she likes me, appreciate me in a bunch of ways in 72,000 ways every day. So it's like she's super sweet. However, she's also honest. And so she also said, you know, your podcast, I don't give a crap. You know, history on fire, boring. She tried to listen a few times for a few seconds and she lost interest in about 0.3 seconds. So I was like, what the hell? And every time she never failed to remark about it. She's like, yeah, that thing that you do that's really boring. Where... And I was like, yes, it's not that boring. It's actually really fucking good. Listen. And she's like, nope, 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 nope. So one Is day... Is she mad because it takes... Her, your time from her i figure i actually think that it's like the pace maybe like the episode she listened the pace, you know she she's a kid uh, kids have a very different kind of attention span so for especially when it comes to, to history good lord yeah i mean she loves when i tell her the stories but of course i make them quicker more with a different kind of beat than for a two-hour get episode. to the point old man that's basically our vibe right <laughs> However, one day she started, uh, I forget what we were doing, and I was listening to an episode of, um, you ever checked out this podcast, Our Fake History? Um, I have it loaded. Sebastian Major. Yeah, he's, he's really good. He's a really good uh, storyteller. His podcasts are dead on. And so, you, so you're saying all existing history is fake history. Well, his thing is all uh, the figuring out what's meat, what's reality, which is really kind of what you do with most history anyway. But he focused particularly on those topics where the controversy is deeper on the difference between reality and meat. And, and always and, get it wrong. And he's always good you know i still have to find an episode that i didn't enjoy so great guy being a big history buff do you have one that would like really to you was like wow i didn't know that or that, oh yeah yeah there's a bunch of stuff that he brings up that or maybe stories that i kind of know that he he inspired me a lot to with some ideas for future podcasts like for example he did a series on uh, john of arc that was beautiful right so i'm like oh i want to do that i want to cover i'm gonna do the research and cover it and you know his episodes are a bit shorter they're more 40 to 50 minutes but brilliant in any case so i'm playing it because i was i think i was listening to some oh yeah because he was he did an episode on uh, female pirates and i was about to do the pirate queen for history on fire so i was like oh i want to see what he said to make sure i'm not covering the exact i don't say the same stuff exactly or and isabella is listening she really likes it and she's into it and and part of me was like oh that's cool part of me was like i was ready to add the sebastian name to my personal aria stark list of uh -oh. people i need to eliminate no 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 need for that and but i was like hey is what the fuck you like these but you don't like my stuff and she's like 
you know what? It was a while ago that I listened. Why don't we give it a try again? Wow. So I'm like, okay, let's give it a try. So I, I decided, okay, I can play episodes that are monstrously sad, you know. <laughs> the the Spartacus one is not gonna fly the end. Go with the Iceman. That's so, an awesome story. Iceman is a good one. I gave her Theodore Roosevelt. Oh yeah. Uh, I started with Theodore Roosevelt. Man, she was eating it up. She just was like, listened to a whole first episode. Was like, okay, now let's play the second. Now I found uh, I gained a new listener for History on Fire, and suddenly she was like, oh, but it's awesome. I love the storytelling. It's like. You know, the same thing that six months earlier would have been like, nah, what is this crap? Six months later, hit it in a way where suddenly... My old man, he needs a little reassurance. And if I got to waste that damn time listening to that dribbling noise, <laughs> I guess I'll do it because he's pretty good to me. No, she was actually into it. She was like, <coughs> uh, she, she was in a whole, uh, like, not just one episode. She was like, okay, let's listen to the second. Let's listen to the third in a marathon kind of mode. So... Was sweet. Was um, now she's always asking me, okay, what's the next one? I want to get that one too. I want to. So it's um, so it's been a fairly good deal. I was quite pleased of having. And sometimes it is like that, right? Especially as a kid. See the same thing with foods. You know, kids sometimes they will eat a food that will be like this disgusting, and then two years later they love it. And now they, they love it. It's the only thing they will eat for six months. Exactly. So it's like. I think it's changed so fast that, and half of the time they don't even remember what happened six months earlier, because six months earlier must have been 30 years in our perception of time. So it's like something doesn't work at one developmental stage, you can always give it a shot a little bit down the road. He's banging, yeah, it is. And it's like, okay, not not working now, but let's talk again in six months. And if it doesn't work, six more months. And... The but cabling's yeah. good. Eventually, it's going to fire up. It just needs a little extra time to get ready. But yeah, this one hit the spot now. So she's uh, one more History on Fire listener, which pleased me to no end. Oh, by the way, on History on Fire, I started. I just started just a few days ago a, a Patreon account. I'm so damn lazy that it took me forever to get motivated. And big thank you to the sweet folks from the History of Westeros that in case you are into Game of Thrones... Uh, check them out. They explore the world of Game of Thrones in and out, up and down in every possible way. So they helped me out to set up a Patreon because my hostility to change and new technologies, I'm always like, I don't want to learn how to do that, even if it's simple. So thank you. And then they kind of, they had to go over my head to make it happen and just talk directly to Savannah. So with them, they made it happen. Otherwise, I would have never. Well, the worst part about learning how to do something, then everybody's going to ask you to do it. Yeah, it's like, but this way, (laughs) I know, it's like this way instead, I'm blissfully ignorant. But there is a pattern. Some of us have to be in the trenches, you know. Exactly. That's the gig. We're doing our job. We'll let the geniuses with the magic take care of everything on there it is magic i i think it's hilarious when people get pissed off at their phone because it just stupid phone it is magic it's it is magic if you disrespect it it will remember it and when you need it the most it will will fail fail you big time i am kind to my technology watch people swear at or laptops they get abused computers in general man when they when they click on and become woke um i want the record to show that 
I was kind to him. That's a good uh, policy because technology is a scary beast. It's like a god that you have to bow and perform the correct ritual in front of because otherwise Your they email are vengeful. Oh, yes. yeah. Or you can email the wrong thing the totally. wrong, or the wrong thing to everybody. That would be a problem. That could be problematic. But yeah, in any <laughs> case, so if you guys want to check it out, there are a few perks on the pattern there, like uh, episodes with no ads, uh, episodes that are sent out early to people, assuming that I can get the job done early enough. But, uh, you know, things like that, uh, access to the catalog of History on Fire that over time is going to progressively go into a paywall, all of that stuff. So check it out. I'll put a link in the episode notes. But this is not... There's another Isabella moment that I want to jump into. And um, you ever seen those uh, Thai commercials? And uh, in case, you know, just by, to... By insurance companies or somebody, is, maybe it's a bank? Yeah, yeah. By Thai, I don't mean uh, the thing you put around your neck. You I mean, mean as in from Thailand. From exactly. Yeah, there's there are a bunch of Thai commercials. I don't know why they do it, but they have this whole thing that they are mini movies, right? They last three minutes long. By the end, you don't even know what the hell was uh, the sponsor. It's usually like a one-second thing about life insurance that pop up at the end or something. But it's, it's really just a mini-movie, right? But you're crying too much by then to uh, be able to see. Some of these things are so fucking good, right? It's like there's uh, one that... I'll put a link in the episode notes for this one as well because it's such a good thing. It likes... The little boy that gets the soup? That, that one for his That's mama? my second favorite. Oh, boy, oh, boy. My first favorite is brilliant. Is this one This one that I'll link in the episode notes, which is not a whole lot happen. It's just the story of this one guy. They follow this one guy, and he does just these random, super nice things for people. All he, day long. He leaves uh, this uh, fresh fruit at his neighbor door. He helps some lady with the food carry, uh, cart to push it over um, um, an obstacle. Uh, leaves, uh, you know, does all these super nice things, right? And the theme at one point that they bring up is, what does he get from this? Right, and we see him do some more of this, and then the next line is he gets absolutely nothing, right? Because it's like he's not gonna become more famous, he's not gonna end up on TV, he's not gonna. But what the <laughs> he actually got hit by a bus later that day? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not a depressing one at all. No, no, but still, but he gets what into, he did put yeah. into the world. Yeah, what it, the whole thing is he gets emotions. He gets uh, what he means to create a more beautiful world around him. He gets. Now, the whole thing is written super well. The images they use are super well. They are masters at hitting all the right emotional chords. So the same message that could be, sure, it's a sweet message, but it could be whatever, done in a cheesy kind of way. The way they do it is just spot on. I don't they do a secondary one where it's all the people later that day, like the cop, he gave the banana to, he gives it to a homeless man, and it's like ripple effect. That may be a different one. I think it's a different one, well. but... And it shows, you know, later in the day, yeah, you smile at these people and you didn't really get yep. anything crazy back for it, but... It put things in a positive spin. Absolutely. And it was funny because here is where we get to Isabella. I watched it once with Isabella. And, you know, I watched it a billion times in the past, right? It was one of the scenes, by the way, that always made me think of our good pal Bennett from yeah. Short Design because that was very much the way Bennett was, just super kind, super generous for no good reason, just because it made him happy to be kind, you know? And he could. And so beautiful, right? So every time... So I watched this thing a million times, but I watched it with Isabella this one time, right? And we are checking out this commercial, and she's like, 
okay, can we watch it again? And I'm like, okay, sure, watch it again. Now, the thing that lasts three minutes, she made me watch it for probably an hour and a half, right? We watched this thing, I don't know, when it, like, 30 times, 40 times. I might something. have been checking my mail, uh, mail a little bit on the side on the phone. I I was into it the entire 30 times. Wow. And so was she, right? And one thing that she said that was awesome is that at one point she goes, you know, I'm a pretty angry child, but uh, I think I want to be more like this. And I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. That's exactly, I could not ask for anything better than that. And, you know, she recognized, yeah, I... I do get, doesn't take much to get me pissed off, but, but living this way is a good way. This is a good, and so she wants to watch it on a fairly regular basis as a reminder to be like, you know, I want to kind of tone down the revenge and being pissed off and more on the, let's be gentler, let's be kinder, let's be happier. And, and the thing that to me is that's fun is that in that, like this little three-minute commercial, there's stuff that's, it hit me more than probably, and I don't mean hit just emotionally, but I mean just in terms of quality. I find that what I see in those three minutes is better than probably 99% of any movies I've ever seen, of most books I've ever read, of most podcasts I've ever listened to, of most, and it's, it's just awesome, you know? And it's, and where do I find it is a, in a damn three-minute Thai commercial for life insurance the universe is puzzling sometimes you know but you know you take your reminders wherever you get them you know you you don't question where inspiration comes from if that's where it comes from and it but helps, because uh, it's a life insurance company maybe they're up to something maybe they're trying to spend too many good wheels that will shut down the economy <laughs> by people just sitting and smiling at each other every day you right? got to look out for what the message actually means friend that's the fake good message that's the alex jones approach to thai commercials you better watch out for those thai people man they got all that coffee going all day yeah. anti-tease look out totally scary no i was super <laughs> happy it's like hearing needs say that like hey i wanna she got exactly what this is about this is about that inspiration to i want to be more like that that's a good way to live and the thing is i feel the same way like there are so many times where i can go down a more cynical route i i not just i could go down i do go down a more cynical route on a regular and or a little angry or a little edgy or a little this. And then there's a choice there where you choose, like, sure, I can go down that path. And once in a while, it's even healthy to go down that path, just blow off some steam. But most of the time, the baseline, I want it to be something else. And this is a baseline that I'm tempted to make it a daily ritual. Just start the damn day while I'm having breakfast with my Thai commercial. Let it remind me, like, this is what... As he wades into traffic. Yeah, the that's so far has worked well for the last few days. I plan to continue and see how it, you know, will carry on in the future. But I, I dig I it. I hope something doesn't go wrong and like down the road you still watch it every day. Exactly. But out of spiteful rage. No, nah, like, no, that's the. Because I mean, yeah, you don't have control over life. But the point is, this is. That's why I like it. It's not like the guy does the nice gesture and suddenly everything clicks everything goes and great every, for him. No, it's just like I do it because uh, I do you it. Because it feels good to do it in the moment. There's no attachment to the outcome, there's no attachment to the result. What about a dark moment, though, when you don't feel like giving somebody a jump in the parking lot and sometimes it's fine sometime again i'm not into the you should feel guilty when you don't do it 
because otherwise it becomes a compulsion it becomes a you have to you should and you should nothing good come even kindness that's born out of you should is not really kindness to me you know it needs to be a choice it needs to be something you want to do and someday you just don't feel it and maybe you just don't get over it you're not alone in an empty darkness it's daytime and there's others yeah and you know there's (laughs) so but that was one of my favorite moments shared with Isabella as of late. It's story time, everybody. Where are we going? When are we going today? This story comes to us courtesy of former guest uh, Richard Gordon, who told me this story was pretty funny. He heard it when he used to live, when he was in his 20s, he used to live in Mexico near Cuernavaca. And um, he learned a lot while he was there. He spent six months out there and he learned a lot about this semi-mythological figure that that this one town was, uh, that he was living in, was named after, named Tipozteco. And this is, you know, possibly, nobody knows exactly when some of this folklore originated. Very likely can go back even to pre-Columbian times. If not, it's an indigenous thing. And if it's either a little bit pre-conquest or slightly post-conquest, but long time ago in any case. Or and super long ago. Could be. And the story goes that our good Tipozteco was a young king. But unlike other kings, he was a little more down to earth. He had a more of a personable touch. He helped people build their homes. Uh, he wore more common clothing. He was he, Jimmy Carter. He, he would drink polke, the fermented uh, cactus alcohol. He, he was kind of one of the guys, right? And played his role. But on one particular day, Tipotsteko was invited to attend this grand celebration um, with all the other kings from the neighboring states. So off they go. And, um, you know, when he arrives, they tell him, look, I get it that you're a king, but you're really not dressed for the occasion. It's like this is more of a formal event. We need to, you know, everybody's into their finery and Quetzalcoatl feathers and... uh, I mean the comfort feathers over, over finery. Yeah. And this is, I'm comfortable, I'm here for the party, what's the problem? Tepotsteko said, fine, goes back home, changes in the <laughs> finest, coolest regalia, and everybody's like, oh, Tepotsteko, here you are, so good to see you, and they <laughs> walk him in. And uh, he starts, when they bring the food, he starts grabbing the food, this fancy, whatever, pre-Columbian food, and start <laughs> spreading it all over his clothes. He just grabs these big chunks and starts smearing it all over the clothes. And when they, the people go, what the hell are you doing? You know, it's like, Tepotsteko, is he okay? Does he have some issues? What's going on? Well, somebody <laughs> asked him, what's going on? What are you doing? And he said, well, isn't that clear? You invited my clothes to dinner, not me, so I'm feeding my clothes. Which, <laughs> which I thought was a brilliant story. Did they take uh, him out and execute him? Um, they, the story doesn't. I think there are many stories about him, so I'm assuming not because the stories will continue and there's a lot of folklore about him. So he can get away with it because he's cool that way. Wow. There, Imagine, think of those clothes you would be messing up. They'd be like hummingbird feathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, Eh, maybe maybe it was 
in one version of the story, he grabs some of the beans and just drip a few. It's like maybe he's, he's there's a difference between making a point and being stupid. Maybe the good <laughs> man knew it. And, uh, the, and I think I told this story before because I love this one, but uh, it reminds me of a Zen story of uh, the governor of Kyoto visiting uh, the Zen master and leaving his um, business card at the entrance with the attendant to then bring it to the Zen master. I don't want to see this guy. What's his name? Uh, Kazushi Sakuraba. By the way, Kazushi Sakuraba is an MMA fighter, but I don't remember the guy's name in the story. So it's like, it's like I don't want to see Sakuraba. <laughs> the attendant goes back to the governor like, I'm so sorry, so sorry. I don't know. My master is kind of moody sometimes. That's what he does. And so the guy says, it's my fault. So he takes his business card that say, Kazushi Sakuraba, governor of Kyoto. Grab a thing, scratch off governor of Kyoto. Say, Please try again. Guy brings it back. Zen master go, oh, Kazushi Sakuraba, I would love to see this fellow. Please bring him in, you know. I've used that before in an episode because I love this story, but uh, it never gets old. So I figure it was, and it was fitting to repeat it, with, going with this one, with this uh, Mesoamerican tale, because it fits quite perfectly. Excellent. There's story time for you, everybody. Double shot. Question of the week is um, patriotism, nationalism, um, all of that stuff. Thoughts on? Well, I'm really kind of the wrong person to ask on this because my views on the topic tend to be kind of on the extreme on the scale of what people feel about it. Like the overwhelming majority of people, they may have issues with particular kinds of patriotism. Like they'll dislike, you shouldn't be proud of that flag because that flag represents crap. But, but they are not questioning the idea of patriotism itself. They're just questioning the idea of loyalty to a particular flag or another. I kind of question the idea of all flags, not one or another. I just don't... Here's my problem with it. I understand... Lo like... The root assumption at the roots of patriotism or nationalism or however you want to call it is this idea that a nation stands for certain values. I tend to not see it that way. I see that a small community, a face-to-face -face community, you know, a tribe, a family, a group of friends, yeah, maybe you stand for certain values because you talk with one another, you, you express these feelings on a regular basis. I understand the idea of human values that are kind of useful for all of humanity, that help the health of life on earth if humans stick to certain values. But national values, I find nations to be too small to be a real community and too big to be actually inclusive of humanity as a whole. So to me, nations don't make jack. It's kind of like one of the things where... And, you know, it's entirely possible because this is a theme that pops up. Maybe in some very, very early drunken Taoist, we may have tackled this topic. But again, it's a big one, so it doesn't hurt. And to... things were different six years ago. Yeah, exactly. Well, my opinion hasn't changed a whole lot, apparently. But my thing is, 
like, you know, there's this assumption that if you meet somebody, especially if you are in a foreign country, you meet somebody from your same country, you suddenly are going to bond and you have something. And I'm like, yeah, I meet somebody from Italy here. And what's the deep thing that make us one and the same? We both like pasta. That's like, yeah, we are. It's like, and again, I'm not saying that you don't share anything, but this idea that every member of a particular nation shares certain cultural values that are not shared with people from across a border, I find it puzzling because it's kind of like, what exactly, it's like, you know, in US, for example, they say freedom is an American thing, right? It's like, because Canadians believe in tyranny and oppression, you know, it's like, what's the, freedom is something that a ton of different governments endorse. There are plenty of people in countries whose governments don't endorse ideas of freedom that very much like there's some countries whose countries claim to endorse them but generally don't follow that notion there's that as well so (laughs) i mean to me it's like i find it odd because it's kind of like when um you know why do we think that racism is not exactly a cool way to look at the world because unless you're hanging out with the KKK or something, usually most people tend to frown about against open racism. And that's because you're taking something that may be true for a percentage of a certain population, and you assume that everybody with that skin color or coming from that particular nation, they are all like that. And we realize that that's demented because yeah, that's madness. there's people are more complex than that. You know, people are not just when you're born, this uh, genetic program is downloaded into your brain that all people with that skin color, they all believe the same way or all people from that same nation, they all have the same values. We understand that that's a super simplistic, stupid view of reality. But then how does patriotism or nationalism work? Suddenly we have this idea that everybody who comes from my country or everybody with my skin color we all share certain values and those values are good. I fail to appreciate that while one is the nice side and the other one is the ugly side, where one is a put down of those people out there who share those certain values. This one is about us sharing the good values. It's still the same dynamic. It's still based on this simplistic view of reality that assumes that everybody from a country or with a certain skin color all share the same values, where I really see no evidence of that. I I do believe that there are certain cultural traditions that people are more likely to share, even that more likely, not that they will share, because people, individuals are different from one another. Not everybody who comes from one place will see things the same way. And even then, maybe those traditions go, yeah, we both like pasta. It's not exactly that it's make us one and the same, that now we are like brothers in arms who see, who value the same things in life. We just happen to have a few things in common that, sure, they help a little. They help a lot. If there wasn't for a traditional Hawaiian macaroni salad, <laughs> the world would be a much more dangerous place. Indeed, but. But but the world, you know what I mean? That not just everybody from that one place can appreciate it. There are also things that you can translate across lines. And so it's... It just seems like it's kind of gone out of control. I mean, you remember right after 9-11 when the flags went up everywhere? Of course. And it's never sort of backed off. And it got turned up then. But And then when you add that to an administration that does things that you don't think are quite as cool as maybe another one was, then it really gets turned up because you're not talking for me. Yeah, and 
but that's the thing to me is like give me the best government in the world I there's still always gonna be somebody that's gonna yeah this whole idea of pledging allegiance to a flag i find it scary and a bit totalitarian in nature in the sense that there is that <gasps> you don't pledge allegiance to the same flag something wrong with you you know there's this idea that and to me it's weird because well, especially a place that touts freedom so much. Well, here is part of the problem, too, that a flag is a symbol. A symbol does not have a single meaning. People can argue about a symbol thinking that they are arguing about the same meaning, but they mean completely different things to it. Somebody look at one flag and they see all the sweet things, you know, uh, mom's apple pie and uh, all Lightning the good... bugs in the field. Sure, and all the good ah. stuff. Somebody look at that same symbol and maybe for just as good a reason as the other ones, because it's not that this one is making it up. There is something to it, but they see another side of it that's much uglier and nasty. Yeah. So when they argue about that symbol, they're not talking about the same thing. And, but people get so stuck on this kind of symbolic logic that it's very easy to, again, get to fight over nothing, get to fight about stuff that's not... So I'm personally not a big fan. Like, I don't have... Uh, to me, it's like if somebody from Italy did something amazing or did something totally stupid, what does that have to do with me? I'm not going to feel guilty because somebody from with my same skin color did awful things. I'm not going to feel guilty because somebody from my same country did awful things. I'm not going to feel suddenly enlightened because there's somebody from my same country or with my same skin color who did something amazing. I don't know. I think when the Italian astronaut made it up in the space station, I think you did come play the yeah. accordion and swip some wine. Or... Yeah, that's what will happen, right? No, it's like, it's to me, it's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm me. You know what? Treat me for who I am. Deal with me for the person in front of you. I'm not like this idea. And of, everybody deserves to be treated that way, right? That's yeah. the idea. It's like, and I think there's a lot of laziness at the roots of this because there's this assumption that rather than having to get to know you as an individual with all your quirkiness and idiosyncrasies, I will just assume that you are member of Nation X, which means I already know you because I know everything about what you guys are like, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, well, it can my be, flag told me about your flag. Exactly. It can be a positive stereotype. It can be a negative stereotype. But either way, it's a bullshit. And don't get me wrong, you know, maybe, maybe it applies to 30% of people in the country. And that's a lot of people, okay? That's a big percentage. That still means that there's a huge chunk of people who do not fit the narrative. So, I don't know. And again, you know, people, just about every other person on earth tend to disagree with this. Because while people may not like somebody else's patriotism, every, not that many people have issues with the idea of patriotism or nationalism as a whole. I do. So I'm not telling you, hey, believe the way I do. Fuck you if you don't believe the way I do. I'll... No, of course not, right? It's just, think about it. Think about how deep this idea of common shared values really go. Do they really go that deep? Or is it more, you know, a few things that then get to be exploited to create this allegiance to a symbol that, guess what, whoever manipulates that symbol has you on a string. And if they pull the flag a certain way, oh, we must stand behind our, our what, our the government that's pulling a flag one way or another. That, to me, I want to, as army of darkness would say it's a trick got an axe you know it's 
no good things come out of that. You know, it's kind of like that thing, like Dan Carlin did the whole thing on World War One, where there's that moment where you have a German soldier and French soldiers, or was it British as well? I can't remember, but Allied soldiers on one side and German soldiers on the other who get out of their trenches in World War One, and they're like, what the fuck are we doing? It's Christmas, let's exchange gifts, let's play soccer together, let's the... Why are we fighting again? Because I don't really have a problem with you as an individual. And I don't even give a fuck about what my government is about or your government is about. It's not. And there's that moment of recognition when you realize it's not really, you know, the enemy is not always what it's cracked out to be. It's not these people who all share the same values. If you stop to talk about it, you probably find out that you have a shitload of stuff in common with one another. Well, especially in a war divide, when, you know, when, when, when anybody who refused to go over the trench would be shot. That changes the dynamics a little bit, right? Yeah. And in fact, back to that divide and conquer. So who's your enemy at that point? It's your own people. Yeah, because we have to convince you that those guys are the ultimate evil and so we'll play the game in a way that will not lead to you realizing hey why are we shooting each other again because i'm not quite getting these dynamics i'm not saying that's true every time right sometimes there are values and ideas that are at stake that matter in a conflict in a lot of cases there aren't and or in a lot of cases there are in a very minor kind of way and it's more of a smoke and mirrors game convinced designed to convince you to just go in and fight for freedom where really has nothing to do with fucking freedom has a lot to do with other stuff yeah like i hope my friends don't get killed yeah so it's um yeah i'm not a big fan of the idea of patriotism i mean patriotism to me is a nice word for nationalism nationalism where i come from is just a straight-up fascist concept it's just the only people who speak that way are straight-up fascists you know, people will do it, communists will do it too. So, okay, I'm, I'm not just going to say fascist is a totalitarian thing, but it is it's not something that I find particularly cool. Again, feel free to disagree. Just think about it. Think about whether it makes sense to you, whether this notion is something that just got shoved so deep in you that now you believe it because it's part of a programming or if because it actually really makes sense to you, in which case all the power to you. Maybe I'm wrong and I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Another fine episode of the Drunken Towers podcast. The funky music is playing, and uh, we've reached the end. Hope everybody had a nice time. There's a few more folks we'd like you to thank and visit, and uh, you know, just do us a favor. Check it out. They're the reason we can do this. Not just you. Let's start with the good listeners. Yes, the sweet folks who have donated. We haven't done names in a while, so they're more than usual this time because it's been a while. Let the pottering begin. So we go with Jared Scanlon, Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloo, Kevin Kilbride, Aaron McLaughlin, Mats Anderson, Jonathan Brazo, I have no idea, sorry man, Brazo, Braz, something, uh, Julian Manche, and again I'm taking a random guess on the last name, uh, Christopher Lauteman, again complete guess, Diedra Bristo, Lisa Robles, Maurizio Mezzatesta, Andrew Glieb, Glieb, something, 
Lindsay Davis e Matt Chebré. Thank you everybody. Thank you so much. If you recognize, if you actually did donate and you recognize your name, you should clap for yourself because yeah, my I, pronunciation I clap for sure. is brutal. So sorry for what I've done to your last names, probably <laughs> first ones too. Um, big thank you to a few folks. So starting with alphabox.com, sponsor for this episode, they have a promo code Taoist if you go and buy their underwear, which is always a concept that once you start having too many holes in those underwear, you may want to start thinking about getting a new pair. So check out alphabox.com. They're scrumptious and delicious and keep chafing to a minimum. Oh, we, they, you should write their commercials. Thank you also to, of course, Onnit and uh, Datsusara. And while we are at it, short design as well. Why not? Uh, the trifecta of our regular sponsors, check them out. You know the drill. Links are in the episode notes. Also, thank you to studiosweden.com for sending some cool headphones that Savannah uses for the History on Fire editing process. So they have a promo code TAOIST15 for a 15% discount if you find yourself in need of new headphones. Um, check out, I mentioned in the intro, a friend of mine just opened an MMA gym in LA, close to downtown LA. Uh, they have a bunch of classes. They do give a discount if you mention um, the drunk, that you listen to the Drunken TAOIST. So not a bad gig if you want to check out some martial art training. The gym is called the Fight Science, and I'll put a link in the episode notes to their website so you can check them out. We also, I want to say one more thank you to alphadynamicshealth.com for the awesome mystical properties of their medicinal mushroom that will turn you into a dragon riding, broadsword swinging, Taoist sage overnight if wow. you consume them. So check them out. Results not guaranteed. Not entirely, yes. The odds are good that no, that will be not. the case. Just in but case. Yes. One in 100,000. Yeah, it doesn't properly. You got to cover yourself. Who doesn't ride Because people get upset. Totally. When their dragon turn out to be a lizard, they all get mad. So it's, yes. <sighs> hey, Keepit.org continues to uh, perform amazingly well. There's over 85,000. And that's a testament to some folks that are pretty dedicated. And uh makes you feel good. If you need to feel a little better. Come on and drop $25. It'll be back to you before you know it, and you can lend it again. And uh, we're here to help people, I think, is what we're sort of arguing towards. Yes, indeed. And that's a very cool concept that Rich has been spearheading all along and doing a great job with that. The um, Amazon, we mentioned Rich has been reading um, Tribe by Sebastian Younger, saying that it's this awesome book. I want to yep, read yep. it too. So if you guys are looking for a new book to check out, that may be a good one. And please use our Amazon link. Um, that's always appreciated. Other than that, I would say you guys have an awesome day. We shall touch base again in two weeks. Bye, everybody. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. 
Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.